Have you ever been confused when you read a verse in the Bible before? Just raise your hand if you've ever been a little confused. Okay, if you haven't been confused while reading the Bible, it's because you probably haven't read the Bible, or at least not much of it. Because sooner or later, you're going to come across stuff, and you will scratch your head, and you will say, what in the world does that mean? What does that mean? And, and what do we do when we get confused? Now, for some, it leads us to be really interested and intrigued, and we start to study, and we, we consult commentaries and other reference material, and, and we talk to other people, and we dig for answers. Others of us, or at other times, we get confused, and we just kind of check out. We say, well, that's confusing. Don't know what that means. Guess I won't read Revelation anymore. Guess I won't read the Old Testament again because I don't know what that means. And we avoid it altogether. And sometimes when we get confused, it leads us to question things and pretty soon we get worried that maybe we're losing our faith. Now as we talked about, I think it was last week, when you're putting together a puzzle, if you have some puzzle pieces you don't quite know what to do with yet, you don't throw out the pieces of the puzzle that you have put together successfully, do you? No. You set the pieces aside that you don't understand until it becomes more clear. I essentially have two goals for this series. One, I want to help answer some questions that you may have had, whether you're at home or here in person. But two, which I think is maybe more important, I want to help give you some tools uh, and help kind of explain the process to you so that you can be equipped to better understand the Bible as you read it and study it for yourself. I may get things wrong. I may share the wrong answer. And that's okay. You can disagree with what I share. I'm going to do my very best, and we're going to have some fun while we do it. So let's get into today's passage by turning to the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to Mark chapter 4, and we're looking at verse 25. Mark chapter 4, verse 25. Texted to us, thank you so much. You know who you are, who submitted it, and I appreciate it. I'll keep all of the submissions anonymous unless you really want me to say who it was who asked the question. But otherwise, it's all anonymous here. Mark chapter 4, verse 25. If you're there, you can say, I'm there. Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 25, it says this, For whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Whoever has, more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Now that does seem a little confusing, doesn't it? It kind of sounds like, well, if you think about finances, you, the rich keep on getting richer, and the poor, because they don't have power and resources, the, the rich exploit the poor, and what they have is taken away from them. And surely that's not what Jesus was advocating. Well, maybe it was about spiritual knowledge, but if we understand it incorrectly, it might seem to suggest that God will only give spiritual knowledge to those that already have it, and those that don't know much, well, he's going to take what they know away from them. 
And I don't like the sound of that. Do you like the sound of that? Yeah, that sounds a little uh, incorrect to me. So what are some of the things that we can do to come to a better understanding? First thing you need to do is pray. Pray. Ask God to give you wisdom. He said he will guide us and lead us into all truth, and so we ask him. Step number two is you need to read more than just that one particular verse. We sometimes call this the context or the literary context. We want to see what other verses and things are around that verse. It may be that you read a few verses before, a few verses after. You might need to read the whole chapter. Maybe the whole book will help you understand just that one verse. And if we're honest, having an understanding of the whole Bible will help us because it's all connected as we find out. Now, once you've done that, you're in a better position to understand the, the passage, but you may still need to consult other Bible resources, things like Bible commentaries. Um, in fact, I've got the Andrews Study Bible, and this is, they're not paying me to say this, but I really like this Bible. Uh, and it has great commentary on some of the verses down here at the bottom. Uh, and it has a center reference, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So a good study Bible written by scholars that you trust. I think the people at Andrews University, where I got my master's, are pretty smart, pretty trustworthy. And so I'm happy to recommend this. But then there are other commentaries, other books that we'll talk about as we go along. And then there are things like concordances. You know what a concordance is? That has a list, Philip knows, a list of every single word used in the Bible. And so you can look at one particular word and do a word study to see where else it may appear in the Bible. And maybe by studying those similar passages, you might get some insights. So commentaries are helpful. Uh, what about just talking to other believers? Share your questions with others. Say, hey, this verse is confusing to me. I'd like to know what it means. I find that cross-references, like do you see this blue part in my Bible, the center? These are mostly other verses that are related to the verses here. So as you're reading in the Bible, you'll often come across a little number or a little letter that's next to a word. If you look, if you have center references, or maybe sometimes they're at the bottom, you can find other verses that are similar. We sometimes call them parallel passages in the Gospels. That will help you get more insight into a passage. Of course, you can also get books on the topic. Someone asked a really good question. I bought this book just so that I can be better prepared to give an answer. Because some answers, they take a while. Have you ever noticed that you can ask a question in one or two sentences, but the answer might take Books and books. I'm looking here at the Reeve family, the Reeves. You know, in science, I could ask you a really simple question, maybe one sentence. But maybe scientists are still trying to figure out the answer to those questions. So just because the question might be simple, that doesn't mean that the answer is simple. And you may be studying for a lifetime on some of these questions. But many of them we can answer um, fairly simply. Okay, so let's dive into 
the surrounding verses. We've already prayed and asked God to give us wisdom. Let's read. Let's just start in verse 21. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. Also he said to them, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? Now Jesus is speaking here, if you've um, read earlier than this. And what do you think? Is a lamp supposed to be hidden? What's the implied answer? No. So Jesus is talking about things that are meant to be seen, not things that are meant to be hidden. Verse 22, For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but that it should come to light. There are things which may be hidden at first, but God intends to reveal. God doesn't want to keep things secret. God doesn't want the light to be hidden. Verse 23, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. It says, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. Now, why would I have to encourage you to hear if you already have ears? What's that, Clary? You may not be listening. So Jesus is implying that there are people who are capable of hearing, but they aren't hearing, even though they could. So we're seeing a couple of themes already. God doesn't want to keep things secret. The light, sometimes uh, referred to truth, Jesus as the ultimate truth in the Bible, not meant to be kept hidden. There are things which are hidden for a while, but are meant to be revealed. And those that are capable of hearing should hear. They should keep their ears open, their hearts open. Verse 24, then he said to them, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. So who are the ones that get more? The ones who hear, right? It says in verse end of verse 24, and to you who hear, more will be given. So again, this word here keeps popping up. And anytime you see a, a word that is repeated over and over again, you know that it's important. You know that it is something to pay attention to. So Jesus says, take heed, pay attention to what you're hearing. And then there's this idea of reciprocity. Uh, the way that you engage with something will be um, measured back to you. This same idea Jesus repeats elsewhere. And it's in that context, or that immediate literary context, where Jesus says, for whoever has, to him more will be given, but whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. We're starting to get a couple of ideas uh, what this is about, but I think we need to expand our search a little bit more. Let's read the whole chapter, or at least let's take a look at the whole chapter. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, And he began to teach by the sea. The he here is Jesus. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Can you picture Jesus sitting there in a boat? People are crowded up on the shores. So he gets into a boat. He starts teaching, facing the people. And verse 2 says, He taught them many things by what? By parables. Now, what's a parable? 
A parable is like a story, something that's earthly, that's used generally to describe something that's heavenly. And the meaning is not always immediately clear. Have you noticed that sometimes when things are a little bit secretive, people have a little more interest sometimes? It's like companies, they say, for a limited time only, we only have a few of these left. We're going to release these, and then they'll be gone. And people think, oh no, I only have 15 minutes left of this sale. i got to buy quick. Sometimes a little bit more interest is piqued when things are a little bit secretive or a little bit more difficult. And I've found that some of the answers I've come to in life I value more because I've had to search for them than the things that were just said to me. The things that you've studied out, you often appreciate more. Or sometimes as a church, you know, when we do ministry, we often pass out material for free. But when I was a call porter, when I was going door-to-door offering books on a donation basis, we did it because people tend to value more what they invest in. We could have handed out all these great controversies and all these healthy cookbooks and stuff, but people often throw away what they don't invest in. So Jesus often taught in parables because people remember stories and illustrations better than they remember just preaching. And sometimes people value more what they have to dig for. Okay, so he's speaking in parables. And what parable does he tell starting in verse 3? Just shout it out. Parable of the sower. Now, we're pretty familiar with this, but let's just take a look at a couple of details. A sower went out to sow. Now, that is not somebody with a needle. I'm going to go sew some clothes today, right? Jody's good at sewing, and some of the rest of you are really good at sewing. He is scattering seed. By the way, another thing that will help you understand the Bible is get a translation that you understand. If you don't understand the words that are being used in your Bible, you should read a different Bible. The foundational principles of Christianity are taught in every single Bible. Even some of the paraphrases. So just get one that you understand. Or, if you have an issue, you can consult some of the other translations and you might have the answer before you know it. Okay, so... A guy goes out to scatter some seeds. He's planting seeds in a field. Verse 4, And it happened as he sowed that some of the seed fell where? The wayside, or beside the road, or along the path. Seeds don't generally grow very well on the road, on the path, do they? What happened to it? Birds of the air came down, and they devoured it. Okay, some fell, verse 5 tells us, on the stony ground, didn't have a lot of earth, sprang up immediately, but it was scorched when the sun came out. Verse 7, some of it fell among the thorns. What did the weeds and the thorns do to the seed that was cast there? Choked it. It didn't get any purchase in the ground. It It wasn't able to thrive because of the environment that it was in. And finally, there were some seeds that were cast on the good soil, And what happened to those seeds? They sprung up, and they did well. They they did amazingly well. And then in verse 9, Jesus says, And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him 
hear. Again, this emphasis, if you have ears, if you're listening, pay attention to what I'm saying. If you have ears, hear what I'm saying. Verse 10, but when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable, and he said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. Now, as we read that right now, some of us are like, what? I thought Jesus wanted people to hear and repent and, and, and believe. So we, we stumble across another confusing passage. This is quoting. It's actually a partial quotation from Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. You can read the whole context on your own later. There are some parts of the verse that are not included in this quotation. Matthew, in his parallel account, gives a more complete quotation of this. Basically, what was going on in Isaiah's day, and we just finished Micah, who lived at the same time, the people were really rebellious, and they were really stubborn-hearted. And God, in commissioning Isaiah to go speak to the people, he said, all right, I want you to speak to the people, but I want you to make their hearts dull and their ears stopped up, and I want you to make their hearts uh, hardened. Now, was Isaiah capable of doing those things? No. But it says that, and then this passage that is partially represented here follows. And commentators, in fact, even in the Andrews Study Bible, they talk about how God is trying to use this different language to wake the people up. Because what does God want everybody to do? To be saved. I mean, this is throughout Scripture, 1 Timothy 2.4, God wants everyone to be saved. 2 Peter 3.9, God wants everyone to repent and be saved. This is very, very clear in Scripture. And sometimes God uses some language that was a little confusing to try to get people to wake up. You can almost think of it as like, sarcastic way to kind of shock the people. Yeah, make their hearts hardened so that they won't hear, because if they heard, they might repent, and they might turn, and they might be saved. God, while he brings judgment, while he allows consequences, he is hoping for people to turn, even up to the last moment. He's hoping for that. In fact, in my Bible it says, his words could be compared to shock therapy. The very fact that the prophet repeats God's decision to God's people offers an implicit opportunity to seek God's mercy. There is a window of opportunity between the sentencing and the execution of the judgment. The paradox of this text explains the unchanging nature of divine judgment and, at the same time, God's desire to save his people he still hopes for a last-minute conversion. So Jesus is quoting this. In fact, in, in Matthew's Gospel, he says, these people fulfill these words. Their hearts are hardened. Their ears are stopped up. They're unwilling to hear. And so Jesus spoke in parables so that those who really wanted to know the truth would seek it out and would value it and would understand it. But those who are already hardened in their hearts, 
If he'd said it plainly to them, they wouldn't have accepted it anyways. Remember 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, spiritually, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So Jesus spoke in these parables. More could be said on this, but it's very clear God wants everyone to turn. He sometimes uses creative methods, creative speech to try and get people to wake up and start listening. I remember a couple times speaking and feeling like the person I was speaking to was not listening at all. So I just started talking about the aliens that were up on the roof and so forth and so on. And, you know, just to try and wake them up. Hey, are you listening? And sometimes they heard it and other times they didn't. Wait, what was that about aliens? God does that with us sometimes. Okay, let's get into verse 13. We've got to figure out, what does verse 25 mean? More given to those who have more, to those who don't have much, even what they have will be taken away. Jesus explains the parable. Skip to verse 15. Well, verse 14. The sower sows the word. This is the word of God. And these are the ones by the wayside, where the word is sown. When they hear, see that word there? Satan comes and immediately does what? He, he does what? He takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And I checked, and this is the same Greek language of taken away at the end of verse 25. When they hear... Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that was, stone, that was sown in their hearts. And he continues explaining the other soil types, but then we get to verse 20. But these are the ones sown on the good ground. Those who do what? They hear the word. They accept it, and then what do they do? They bring forth fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, some 100. So here's two different soil types out of the four. The first kind, they get the word, but they're, they're hardened like a hard path. And who comes and takes that word away from them? Satan does. But there's another soil type that's open. They receive the word. They receive the seeds into their life and it starts to grow. Not only do they receive it, it says they accept it and they bear much fruit because of it. Are you starting to get a little better sense for the context of Matthew, or Mark chapter 4, verse 25? What do we have here? We've got two different kinds of people. One type of people that hear and they listen, and they accept, and they receive what God has. And another kind of person who, when they hear it, their hearts are hardened to it. And because of that, Satan comes and takes away the little that they had. It's in that context that Jesus said, For whoever has, to him more will be given. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Whoever has that heart that's open 
like the good soil, as they receive truth from God, they accept it. They say, this is amazing. And they start growing and receiving more knowledge, more truth, more light from God. But the person whose ears are plugged up because of their own hardness of heart, when they hear the word, it doesn't have any impact. They don't receive it. It doesn't start to grow in their life. And Satan takes away that opportunity from them. Not that God didn't want it to grow, but God can only grow where our hearts are open for him to grow. God will only thrive in our life if we let him. Perhaps that's why in Matthew cha- or Luke chapter 8, verse 18, it says this. It says, therefore take heed how you hear. For because, and then he repeats that same, whoever has, more will be given. Luke says, the way in which you hear. In other words, are you going to have an open heart or a closed heart? A mind that's open or a mind that's closed off? They say a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. What kind of heart do you want to have? Remember Jesus said in Matthew 7, verse 6, it's those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that will be filled. Similar passages are found in Matthew 25, 29. And if you go and read the story there, it's a story about the talents. Different Um, units of money were given to people. The master goes away. When he comes back, everybody except for one guy did something with what he had been given. And in the end, those who did something and got an investment, a return on their investment, were given more. And those who didn't do anything with what they'd been given, even what he had was taken from him. And Jesus repeats this same idea here. The idea is, we need to have open hearts. Open hearts, open lives. And as God gives us opportunity, we need to make the most of those opportunities. And we'll get more opportunities. You know, I think about muscles. Before I left for Michigan to go get my master's, I was a pretty good rock climber. I mean, at least by my own standards. I was pretty brave, I was pretty strong, I was pushing my limits, and I go to Michigan, I come back from Michigan, and I go to go rock climbing, and guess what? My brain muscles were fairly strong from reading, uh, but I was weak, so weak. In fact. In fact, I was also, I had lost my confidence in climbing. I was in Yosemite. My buddy, we were a couple hundred feet up or so. He's like, all right, let's do this next, this next section. You lead this one. And I looked up and I thought, that looks heinous. It looks hideous. It's scary. It's off width. It's flaring. It's this awkward chimney type thing. I will not lead that, but I'll belay you if you want. You can go up and I'll hold the rope for you. As he's climbing, I remember, wait, I've done this climb. 
I led that pitch. I've been here and done that. And it had been so long that I'd forgotten about it. And now I was, I was scared. I didn't even want to climb it on top rope, which meant that the rope was already up and I wouldn't fall. If you don't use it, you lose it. Not only is that true of our, of our mind, of our body, but it's true of our opportunity if we don't take advantage of the opportunities given us to receive more truth, to understand and apply more truth, we, we will find someday that those opportunities will no longer be there. So what have we learned today? Let's wrap it up. Well, essentially, to boil it all down, there's two types of hearts. Those that by the grace of God have a type of openness to them. And maybe it's not wide open, but at least there's something where we say, God, I'm open to receive more truth. I'm open to receive more of you in my life, more of your will, more of what you want for me in my life. And those that are closed off, and no matter what God says, aren't open to receiving more. The one who's open, well, they're going to get more. And the one who's closed, as we saw earlier, the enemy of all souls, will take away even the little that they had. In my reading this week, I came across this amazing sentence, and I'm going to read it for you. This is from actually the Adventist Bible Commentary, uh, Volume 5, page 405. It says, The perception of truth depends not so much on the keenness of the intellect, as the sincerity of desire. Let me read that one more time. The perception or the understanding of truth depends not so much on the keenness of intellect or how smart you are as it does upon the sincerity of your desire. If you sincerely desire truth, God will lead you step by step. I want to be sincere like that. How about you? God can help us be sincere. We're a bunch of fakers a lot of the time. But God can help us. He's helped others, and he'll help you and me. Great question. Thanks for submitting it. Keep on submitting. We're going to, we've got a dynamite topic for next week. Let's bow our heads. Loving Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you're active in our lives. We're grateful for questions. Lord, uh, help our minds to always be active. May we always keep thinking and asking and searching. Give us that open heart. Give us the answers that we need. Give us patience, because we know that sometimes answers don't come quickly. But little by little, please lead us further and further into your truth. Keep our hearts open and keep us growing. For this we pray. Let everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.